The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash the Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Thank you. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by FreshBooks. Discover a super intuitive way to make creating and sending invoices for your business efficient and simple. Try it out for free for an entire month. Visit freshbooks.com slash candid and enter The Candid Frame in the How Did You Hear About section. FreshBooks, it's small business accounting software made just for you. This is Ibarian X and this is The Candid Frame. Many people are inspired to pick up a camera with the birth of their first child. Besides documenting the family's life together, they are sometimes inspired to explore their own creative side. Some take it even further and find ways to make photography a career. Ashley Raditz is just one such photographer. Originally from the U.S. and now living in Germany, Raditz is a family photographer whose artistry revolves around capturing connections, the small, intimate gestures that reveal the most intimate interactions between family members. But when she turns the camera to her own family, which includes two sons, she's also capturing her oldest boy's struggle with autism. It's a condition that we hear a lot about, but that many of us don't completely understand. So we often assume a lot about the children and the families, much of which may not accurately reflect their reality. Reddit's photographs share the story of one child and one family in a way that allows us to understand and appreciate that despite the challenges that autism brings to the table, the connection between parent and child is still about patience, understanding, and love. Ashley, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. You know, you do some some wonderful work, and we want to talk about your personal work, but l- let's talk about what the work that makes up your career. You're, why don't you describe to our audience the kind of work that you have an affinity for? Um, mostly it's what I consider documentary-style uh, family photography and also connection photography. Um, so basically, I... My approach to work is to keep everything as authentic as possible and um, just really capture the story of how things are unfolding uh, right in front of us, whether it's a single subject or a family. Um, It's just important to me to have real emotion, movement, raw authenticity. I like the word that you use, connection. Was that something that you saw lacking in a lot of the work that you saw being done by by others? How did you come to find, you know, your niche, what how, what you wanted to capture in, in your own photographs? You know, it's funny. When I, I sat down and I looked at my photos, I was trying to come up with some words to describe what they look like and also what they feel like. And what I had noticed, and it's very, very hard, as I'm sure most people know, to kind of subjectively look at your own work. And so I was trying to really come up with what I continuously saw in my 
my body of work as a whole, no matter what I was photographing. And connection was the one thing that I saw, uh, whether it be, like I said, from a single subject or for a family. And to me, that was so important because I feel a connection to my subjects whenever I'm photographing them. So just as a whole, that's how I work. What moves me moves them. And it really becomes um, a really easy ebb and flow of, um, yeah, capturing images and telling stories. You're, you're living now in Germany, but you're originally from, from the States. Did your photographic career begin well before you moved out to, to Europe? You know, it didn't. Um, I had dabbled a bit in photography when I was younger, high school days. Uh, I took, uh, of course, your yearbook course and my mom went and purchased me an analog Nikon and I took a summer course and I really liked it, but it was um, always back and forth, never consistent. And then once I moved here, it really kind of started as a way for me to keep myself busy because I, I, when I first moved to Germany, I did not know the language. I was still learning everything and I really wanted to take in everything I was seeing. And so that's when I said, okay, I'm going to you know, start documenting my life here. And that's how it initially started. And then it kind of moved on from there. Well, that must have been a challenge, though. I mean, being completely out of your element in terms of culture, in terms of language, and you, you're going out there, you know, trying to be a photographer and a photographer of families where there's a certain level of intimacy and, and usually a shared awareness of, of culture, of history that can sometimes help you. Absolutely. What, what was that like for you being sort of an outsider? Um, when I very first moved here, it was quite difficult. I also come from California and people are very open there, very friendly. Um, you can make friends anywhere. I felt, I always felt in the States. And when I first came here, people are a little bit more reserved and not so open. And so as I began to make friends and also begin making photos of my friends as we just be together hanging out and, you know, just exploring the city or at a family barbecue, whatever it was, uh, they could really see then also the connection through my photographs. And through that, they let me in more. And so now my challenge is, is I have recently started my business and my uh, challenge is opening that up to other people in this country. Some of them are very open. Some of them are a little bit skeptical of, okay, you know, she's going to come to our home and just, you know, I, I basically tell them I approach this as your friend. So mm -hmm. I build a relationship with them first. And that's really important here. They're a bit more <laughs> um, reserved is the best way to say it. I've, I've traveled uh, to Paris and, and that awareness of privacy, at least for the Parisians, it seems to be a, a sort of a, a, a big concern. Yes, absolutely. You know, because I was talking to a friend who had lived there for a long time and it was like, I, I mentioned to him that that was the first time I'd ever been into, you know, in a Parisian apartment in all the times that I'd gone there. And he says, well, that's not particularly rare. I mean, the Parisians... Are, are more than likely to want to meet with you like at a cafe or something like that rather than have you in an apartment because of that sense of privacy. Is that is that something that's sort of sort of what you contend with in Germany? Yes, for sure. Um, they are definitely more private and, and reserved until you build a friendship. But one thing that I, or I have learned over the six years of being here is that through any kind of relationship that you build with the culture here or 
clients or friends, they become very loyal. And then they will trust to say, okay, let me, let me go ahead and introduce you to my friend and you can invite her into your home as well because she's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that also is definitely the same way here. What led you to segue from, you know, taking portraits of, you know, your friends and, and other family members and, and to want to try and make a, a business of it? Um, honestly, it, for there was a few things. Initially, it was that at first I always said, no, I don't want a business. No, no, I think I'll lose the passion for it. No, I think, I think a lot of photographers go back and forth with that is when you're shooting and it's not for business, you're shooting for yourself. And that's when you make your best art. And for me, I didn't want to lose that. I thought if I'm shooting for my uh, other people, I'm going to be shooting what they want rather than what I want. And then as more and more people kept approaching me about my work and saying, no, but you should stay with, you know, with what you're shooting. There is hardly any of that here in in Germany. There's really not. And people will come to you specifically for this. And I thought, okay, you know what, you're right. And so that's one uh, kind of promise I've made to myself and my clients is that I'm shooting to capture always, like I said, that connection, the authenticity, and what moves me as an artist. And in turn, my clients are going to get great art. Uh, And they'll feel a connection to that work because it's true, it's them, it's authentic, and it's their story. It's, yeah, their life. (laughs) Did did your interest in photography sort of coincide with the birth of of your first son? Or had you been doing it, had you been pretty active in doing it even before that? No, I, like I said, I had dabbled a little bit in it, but not, not as much as I should have, or if I would have known the, how much I loved it. I wish I would have started earlier, of course. But, and like I said, when I very first moved here, I thought, okay, you know, I'd like to really remember every moment here. Initially, I thought I'd only be here a couple of years, and now it looks like I'm staying for a long, long time. But yeah, once my uh, first son was born, I actually uh, kind of got even more into it because initially I used to journal a lot. That was my outlet for creativity and thoughts and arts. And I really loved writing. And so I thought when I was pregnant with my son, I thought, you know, I'm going to write him letters all the time. That's going to be my way to just really document his life. And then when he was born, uh, he had this way about him. And I still have a really hard time putting it into words exactly. It's, I, I can't explain it exactly, but it's almost like he had seen the world and knew more than I did. He just had this old soul. And I really wanted to hold on to that um, and explore that more and express that. But I could not, for the first time, find the words to do it. Mm. And so then I started picking up my camera every day. I said, I have to, there's something about, of course, it's my kid. You know, everyone says that about their own kid. But really, I just felt there was something so different about him. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And yeah, I just thought, okay, through my photographs, I can tell his story just like I would if I were to write it when I'm not finding the words. When did you start suspecting that uh, that was the possibility that he might be suffering from autism or some other sort of developmental problem? You know, I had the mother, I think moms have the instincts, really. I had said to my husband a few times, you know, you know, I think something more is there. I think something's going on. And he had said, no, you know, I think you're worrying. He's just, you know, he'll, at first it was, 
he wasn't speaking. So it was, oh, it's because he's growing up bilingual. And then he'd fixate on things with, you know, or stack things in a row. Or as an infant, he would um, often cry and cry and cry. And then I'd finally figure out, oh, his sock is a little bit crooked and I'd fix it and everything would be perfect. Everything just had to be so in order. And I had this instinct for it. But it wasn't until he, at his three-year checkup, that the doctor then said, you know, I think you should probably go get evaluated. And um, that she had thought that he possibly was on the autism spectrum. What knowledge or what understanding did you have about being in the a child being in the autism spectrum had before your child was diagnosed? You know, I didn't know that much about it. I I did know some things, but from the things that I did know, I only knew a very severe autism. And my son is considered moderate to high functioning. And so that was what was much different for me was that, you know, there were certain things that he could do and the things he can do, he does very, very, very well. So there was, there was so much that made up or there is so much that makes up an autism diagnosis, it's so hard to say, okay, this kid has it, but my kid does a few of the same things. So maybe he, I I just couldn't compare. I really didn't have the knowledge. Uh, But like I said, I had something, a feeling in me that something wasn't quite right. Uh, That must have made it made incredibly sort of difficult to be a parent, to be a caretaker, but at the same time, you're feeling these sort of mixed feelings of you know, at one point wanting to be in denial about it because in certain ways your son was acting like a normal kid. And then there's other ways where he's, you know, showing symptomatic of possibility of this being autistic. So it must have been a whirlwind of emotions for you during during that time. It was. It was. I think that uh, many parents that uh, have children with special needs go through that because, you know, in, in your mind, your child's perfect no matter no matter what, right? So here he is, and I, there's these little things and these flags going off, and you keep pushing him back, pushing him back, saying, no, no, no. He'll grow out of it. It's a phase. It's a phase. And then you realize, no, wait, this isn't a phase. This is our new normal. You know, it's just very, you have to accept it. It's just how it is. So, yeah, it it did take quite the adjustment to, yeah, come to terms with that. Did you have to deal with, you know, strong feelings of of guilt or, or anger? Oh, absolutely. Mostly, I would say guilt. For me, there was a few things in with the behind the guilt. The first reason for feeling guilty was that I had heard often, especially in the States, of kids being on the autism spectrum or you read about it on the internet or on web forums. Oh, my kid has autism. And I had just thought, oh my gosh, this thing is, you know, what is this autism? It's so overdiagnosed and there's no way so many, you know, children have this or people have this. And so part of me then felt so guilty forever. It's not that I doubted anyone, but I just thought maybe the doctors aren't Maybe it's wrong. Maybe there's something else going on here. Um, so I felt guilt for that because then I thought, okay, now I'm getting taught my lesson. <laughs> mm. And then, of course, there's the guilt of, you know, what the unknowns for your child and what, what's going to be best for them. And then you think, do I even have the right to feel or grieve for this? I mean, he's healthy and uh, for the most part in every other way. This isn't a death sentence. It's very very interesting dynamic of and range of feelings that you go through. I think, yeah, it, it's really, you have to come to terms with basically knowing that your child 
is going to grow up much different than you had envisioned when when they were in your stomach, when they were in your belly, when they first came into the world. It's just, you know, coming to terms with that. How did your photography of him change as a result of this, you know, increasing awareness that his development and his growth was going to be markedly different than what you had anticipated? Uh, once the doctor had said to us at that three-year checkup, you know, I think you should go get an evaluation. And we were facing that autism diagnosis. Photographing him took on this whole new meaning to me. Uh, it really became a lifeline of sort. For a minute, when minute there, when we first got that diagnosis, I kind of felt like I had lost myself. I, I lost my footing. I thought, oh no, what you know, what's happening here? But once we had that facing us right in front of us, photographing him became basically my coping mechanism and really was my way of slowing down and seeing how he sees the world, how everything from his perspective, from really just his mannerisms, his rhythms, his routines. At first I thought, why is he doing these things? Why is he doing the, but the more I observed him and allowed myself to photograph him uh, in a different way than before, it really opened my eyes to it and helped me as a mother, especially, um, come to terms with this is him and he is just amazing the way he is. It's interesting. You said you gave yourself permission to photograph him in that way. Was that something that you struggled with to, to photograph him at times where he, where you perceived him as vulnerable? Absolutely. At first I just, you know, if there if he was having any kind of breakdown, overstimulation, I would always put the camera down. I think that's often with parents when they're photographing their kids. It's usually the happy moments or, you know, oh, he's playing with a new toy. And I just made this commit my commitment to myself that I was going to photograph him exactly the way he is. He, his truth, his honest, this is his story. And, you know, there's some struggles in there and there's some really really good times in there too but i thought in order for me to accept this i need to be honest with myself and for me as a photographer now when i look through photos i can really reflect on that and say okay this was what was really happening here Uh, did you have to sort of contend with with how people might see you when you were doing this? Not that people were witnessing you making these photographs, but people thinking, oh, you're a poor parent. You should be, you know, consoling your child rather than making a photograph of them. Was was that part of part of the, the, the issue for you? Um, yeah, at first it was for sure. I think in the beginning when he, when we found out, okay, this could be an autism diagnosis and we really weren't sure how to deal with, okay, then what do you do? You, you know, if he's having a meltdown or if he's, you know, in some sort of fit or anything. Do you, do you just leave him be? Do you go down and talk to him? What do you do? And for me, even photographing him, I know there comes a point sometimes when I know, okay, I put my camera down and it's not like I, I photograph every event or ongoing with him overstimulation or something like that. But there are certain times that I know, okay, he seems like he's going to start self-injury or he needs my help to calm down. But we've really learned that with him, sometimes he just needs to work through it himself. Mm-hmm. And so long as he is not yeah, injuring himself or other people, we allow him to do that. 
And actually what's interesting is, is even now that he's getting older, he's five now and he's really understanding things a little bit better. And he likes to look through too. And we kind of talk about, okay, what was happening here? You know, when, when this was going on, what was happening? And he'll look through and, you know, he kind of laughs a little bit or he thinks, oh, you know, I think that for both of us, it has taken on a completely different meaning. How does he respond to the to, to the presence of to the camera? Now, I, he's so used to a camera being there, he doesn't really. That's the other thing is it's, it's very rare that he's making any kind of eye contact with the camera or with people in general. But it's very rare he's looking directly into my camera. And that's why for me, this goes back to the connection thing is I had to I felt like I wanted that connection with him and I wasn't getting it from him looking in my eyes. Uh, You know, we had the connection of mom and son and cuddling and things like that. But being able to photograph him connected to me, me to him more and just gave me that understanding. And I think for him, he doesn't when he's in the middle of, you know, stimming or having an issue or playing or whatever it is, he really is in his own little August world. He, he's not really paying attention to my camera at all. As much as I enjoy earning money from something that I love to do, I'm not a great fan of the business side of things. You know, besides the constant work involved in securing work, the writing of invoices, billing and managing finances can sometimes leave my brain feeling a bit numb. So I'm always open to resources that help take some of the pain out of the process. FreshBooks is just that kind of solution for managing your finances and keeping an accurate record of what's coming in and what's going out. For example, its mobile app allows you to take pictures of your receipts so that you can use FreshBooks later to organize them. No more rummaging through your drawers during tax season. Find out today how easy and efficient you can be handling your business finances using FreshBooks. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to FreshBooks.com forward slash candid and enter the candid frame in the how did you hear about us section. FreshBooks, it's small business accounting software made just for you. How, how is the culture in, in Germany and the way that they contend with issues of autism and, and developmental disorders compare? I mean, you, you, obviously, you, didn't, you weren't raising your son in the States, so you didn't have that direct experience. But what were some of the things you felt like the culture itself, how, how did it make it different or difficult or a challenge to sort of contend with the diagnosis and, and being able to raise your son and treat him? You know, here it's... I don't know how true this is, but this is just a feeling as a family touched by autism, I should say. There's not much dialogue about it with the general public. Doctors here, therapists here, his preschool, everyone involved in him are amazing. But in terms of general public, there is no, my son, he looks like an average five-year-old to most people. And so when something is happening that people don't understand, there was often comments of, oh, well, maybe it's he's spoiled or, and I know there's a little bit of that in the States as well, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's much more dialogue about autism than there is in Germany. It's slowly 
slowly starting to change and more people are, are seeing, okay, if he doesn't have a physical disability, that doesn't mean that everything is perfect or, you know. So I think that's slowly changing. That was also a bit of my hope with uh, releasing our story was to add to a bit to that dialogue here, to get that conversation going and knowing that for parents to talk to their kids and even to me about, you know, things could be different. It's not, you can't always judge a book by its cover. Because you had only been living in in Germany for a short, relatively short period of time, and then you're having to contend with this, you know, this major challenge. Did you feel very isolated? Absolutely. That is, yes. <laughs> I think that was there was a few things that were isolating. One was there was a language barrier. I I speak German. I've learned German since moving here. I did not speak it before coming, but I've learned it since. But it's still a bit different because my German's not perfect and I can't always express uh, exactly how I'm feeling in German. So that's the first part of it. And the second part is that my husband's here. He's a great support system. My in-laws are here. They're amazing. But, you know, I just still felt, I just, yeah, isolated. Just, I can't, I can't even, I think no matter where you are, when you are facing that diagnosis, it's you feel isolated. It's just, you know, not typical that every family is going through. And so you feel like most don't understand. When you were making the bulk of the photographs, had you had you never had you not intended to share them with the world or were they largely going to be a very sort of a private exercise? Yes. They my intention from the beginning was just to understand it more and to cope and try and pull myself out of the fog I was in after being faced with that diagnosis. It just really um, kind of, I had that instinct that something was going on, but hearing it out loud was just a whole, a whole different realm than I was ready for. And so then I knew I had to find a way to get through this and still be the best mother I could be to him. And I think that with my photography, it just really uh, reaffirmed that he will always be who he is and I will always be who I am. And yeah, it's just his rituals and his rhythms are a big part of who he is. And it just, yeah, has just given me a whole nother uh, view on his life. Once you started accumulating uh, a a body of work, what, what, what what was your husband's thoughts about the images that you produced? You know, initially when I had first started the project, well, I call it a project, um, I hadn't really even told him. I was just trying to, he's very practical and very, um, yeah, he just was kind of holding us afloat. He had to do all the translating, this and that. So I didn't want to bother him with those things. And I know he would have been very supportive from the beginning. I just kind of wanted to keep it to myself. And then once uh, after, you know, a few months of making the photographs, I had showed him and he said, wow, that's our boy. He was just so, I think it was quite healing for him to see as well, because it's just exactly who August is. There's, you know, no fluff added to the photographs. It's just him being himself. And yeah, for him to see it, he was also, I think, quite, um, yeah, healed, I guess a good way to say it, that, you know, it brings acceptance to be able to see 
photographs give you just this other insight into looking into a story. And that's kind of what it did. It removed us far enough and also enabled us to see how far he's come in just, you know, a few short years of receiving services and therapies. When you decided, when you started considering, you know, sharing this work, what were some of the questions you you asked yourself about whether or not to do it? You know, actually, I went back and forth for a long time if I should share it. And I finally kind of got um, pushed more to share it once there was an incident at a, a park, a local park here, and some boys were kind of taunting my son. And the parents sat back and did nothing. And my son was sitting in the grass rocking and rocking. And I thought, you know what, that's enough. I can't sit in silence and anymore about this. And so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put our story out there. I had actually been in contact with a group of photographers that also document families touched by autism. And they're very inspiring. And, and upon seeing how healing it has been for those families and everyone else, I thought, you know what, Germany really needs this too. And were these other photographers, people that you had met online who were documenting their own children or their own lives or other people's children uh, in different parts of the world? Yes. Uh, Well, some of them are documenting their own children. There's actually, it's an organization, it's a nonprofit, it's called Spectrum Inspired. And the women that run it are just amazing. And there's photographers now all over the world, and I'm one of them. We donate photography to uh, families touched by autism. So there's a group of us, and there's what we call the Spectrum Inspired Tribe. And, you know, that's where we all kind of chat and can talk about the uh, struggles and triumphs and anything else that comes our way. It's just an amazing group. And so just really seeing how, yeah, just how much good such an an organization can do for the world, I thought, okay, I want to be a part of them. And I've been, yeah, for a few, I want to say maybe six months now. And it's just an amazing group of women. Well, I think there's some men in there too, but mostly women. (laughs) But that, that must have been really gratifying to be in a group where you didn't have to explain yourself or explain your child. Yes, it is. Every every day it's just, it's full of empathy. And that's just such a rare thing, I think, to find anymore. We're so quick to judgment and everything else. And I think being amongst people with a similar mindset and a similar vision of just um, bringing happiness and stories and knowing that children with autism deserve to have their story told as well uh, is really important. Uh, I really like your your imagery because uh, some, in some of the photographs, you, you, your child is in the frame, but you're focusing on some other element. I mean, there's one shot where you shoot it overhead, and he seems to be playing with a Lego, and there's like a little Lego yeah. man on the ground. Yeah. And, it's, and, I, and I look at the shots that you do of that, and it's like, yeah, the focus is your child, but you're, you, you reveal details about him that in a way that I think are both beautifully beautiful in terms of just what the overall composition, but just the fact that you are really investigating his life in, in your photographs. And I'm wondering how conscious of, of that are you um, when you're photographing and, and how did that sort of develop, develop over time? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> That's a great compu- compliment. 
Yeah, I think for me, always with my photography, I've been very into details. I really like small details. But I also, I actually have to remind myself often to like move back, (laughs) take in the whole scene here. There's a lot going on. But I think specifically in terms of August, there's such so many little parts to him. And especially with the Lego shot you're you're speaking of, at the moment, this is his obsession is Legos and or these little Lego guys, I should say. And he won't go to sleep without them. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. his thing. And so for me, it was just really important. And everything has to be, I wanted to show as part of the story of the image is for August, everything has to be just so with his little Lego men. And so he was putting them back together exactly how he wanted them. I think his little brother had just uh, recently kind of took him apart while August was getting something else. And when he came back, he was quite upset. And so he sat down and reassembled them. And so for me, it was just really a matter of wanting to capture exactly how meticulous he is with his new obsession, his Legos. His hands play a big role in a lot of the shots, whether he's sort of clutching himself um, when he's, when I guess he's, he's stressed or, 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 or even just playing with something. Tell us about the, the, the focus of his hands and how that reveals different aspects of his, of his life. You know, with, uh, many children with autism or many people with autism, I should say, there's more than just children. They do a lot of often rhythmic movements in, Oftentimes that has to deal with their hands. It's happening with their hands. And so for August, he does often where he will flap his hands or often bring him to his face, bite his fingers. There's just everything that's his go-to for comfort is wringing his hands, moving his hands, flapping his hands. So that's through my photography, I... Not necessarily, I guess that is kind of intentionally, but not necessarily intentionally. Uh, the focus is oftentimes his hands because that's his coping, a big way for him to cope. Mm-hmm. is, And that's for many people with autism. They flap their hands or wring their fingers or, yeah. <laughs> you know, the fact that you photograph, you're paying attention to such small details in photographing your own son. How has that influenced when you're photographing other people's children? You know, it has influenced it a lot because I realize for me, I really, what I really love about this project and what it has taught me about my own photography is that no matter if a kid is on the autism spectrum or not, these little phases they go through, these moments in their life, this moment right now, you know, we might forget it and you know, a year or five years or whatever it is. And those little details are often what are so special. And just, you know, looking back on that, I've loved it. That's one of the things that I've I've just loved about my project with August. And so I try and incorporate similar things with families I photograph with their children because I think they would appreciate the same thing as, oh, you, you know, do you remember when little Johnny would, you know, carry around this, puppy dog, stuffed puppy dog all the time, or, you know, I love those little details. I think they're really important to a kid's childhood and parents' memories. Do you feel like it's made you 
more adept at dealing with children because children are not necessarily, regardless whether they suffer from autism or, or not, you point a camera in their direction and all bets are off sometimes. But, <laughs> but, I'm, wondering, but I'm wondering whether your experiences with your sons, because um, uh, you have two sons, only one of yes. whom is, is suffering from, from autism. But Correct. how has that sort of helped you in terms of becoming more adept in terms of photographing families and children specifically? You know, I think I've always done pretty well with children, but especially since uh, having my own, I've learned a lot about patience. Uh, And that's also with my documentary approach to photography. One of the main things or the reasons I like this type of photography is because the kids can just be themselves. So even when I first go to a home or to a park or wherever it is that we're going to be photographing, I just hang out for a little bit because I want them to warm up to me and think of me there as just a friend visiting with their mom and dad or, you know, whoever it is. And then when I pull out my my camera, they might think, oh, that's cool. Or, oh, she has a camera. And they might be silly for a few minutes, but then they kind of go back to being who they are. And I just love that. I think those are the kind of things that I think parents will cherish forever is just seeing their kids be who they were on that day. When you finally decided to release these these images of the world, can you talk talk us through in terms of how you decided to do that? You know, I really wanted um, a chance for August uh, for our story to get out there because I really felt that it would resonate with other parents that have children that are touched by autism. And I also thought that it would bring a dialogue to the autism spectrum. I think that a lot of times people try and if they see something happening of of, a kid's acting uh, different or, you know, not normal from what they're used to seeing, oftentimes they think they're just misbehaving. And for me, it's just really important to get out that dialogue out there and that dialogue going that, no, it's not just as simple as it may seem. And like I said, more than anything else, I also wanted parents of that also have children on the autism spectrum to realize that they're not alone in this and that there's, you know, there's ways to, I just wanted to show my way that I was able to come to terms and accept my son's autism diagnosis and know that I don't want to change anything about him. Sure, I want him to learn through his therapies, you know, how to grow and cope with certain situations, but I don't want to change the core of him. I don't want to change his spirit. And that's really important to me. And I think that a lot of parents feel that same way. And so I thought by releasing the photographs, that would resonate with them to see, okay, he can do, you know, the the typical five-year-old play of, you know, playing with his brother or running on the beach or whatever it is. Um, but then there's also those, those hard moments and those in-between moments that people don't always see. What have been some of the more surprising or unexpected responses that you've had as a result of, you know, the press that you've gotten on on this work and and people seeing the images and hearing your story? You know, honestly, I was not I was not expecting so many parents from all over the world to reach out to me. It's been really humbling and just I feel so gracious and now I feel like I made the right choice. I was not 
positive I did, but I, I now I know I did because I've had so many people contact me and just share their stories with me or just tell me, you know, I see my son in your photos or, you know, my grandson was just diagnosed and we're trying to learn to cope and your photos gave me hope and all of those. And I just, I just, I love that. I love that people have reached out. You know, instead of staying behind there, the easy thing to do is sit behind your computer and never say anything. Say, okay, that was a good story. But these people have contacted me, made it a point to contact me, uh, took time out of their life to let me know that my work has helped them in some way. And I think that's with any kind of art or photography, you want to hear that. And I'm especially humbled because it's my photography has helped me myself and to know that it has helped someone else. Um, just makes my heart full. Mm-hmm. It just, I hit, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, one of the things I have to ask you is that uh, any parent that has multiple children, they usually have the story of photographing endlessly their first child. And then as they have the second or third, there's just less and less pictures of the other kids. <laughs> and I'm yeah. wondering, considering that you are a professional photographer, how <laughs> conscious are you of the fact that, you know, you have another child here and you're in your, and trying to be, you know, sort of dutiful, not only in terms of the amount of attention you p- provide to each one, but but as a photographer. Of course. You know, it's funny you say that. I'm the third of three children, so I have the least uh-huh. amount of photos. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've really made a conscious effort to make sure I have <laughs> plenty of photos of my second as well. I have plenty of photos of my boys together. You know, my second, his name's Finnegan, and he is a little spitfire. He's like just a little hurricane. He reminds me a lot of myself. And so I love photographing him just as much. And I have plenty, plenty of photos of him. Yeah. And of my boys together. And I think it's really important. I mean, we, we are a family. We have this little family. There's the four of us and I'm rarely on the other side of the camera, but I have, you know, endless, endless amounts of photos of all of us. Or all of them and my feet. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Oh, gosh, that's a very difficult question. I would say it would be Colleen Hodges because she's the one that's kind of started up Spectrum Inspired. And when I when I first learned about Spectrum Inspired and contacted her, I had told her, you know what, I have been photographing my son and I have always thought if other parents could see their children on the spectrum the way I'm seeing my child now, it could just do so much for them. And so I just was so appreciative of her to take the time to start up Spectrum Inspired along with a couple of other women in there. But, and she's just, just such an amazing photographer, such an amazing person, just so sweet. And yeah, I just, that would be who I would suggest. She's just a really good, really good person, really great photographer. Well, Ashley, thank you for your time and for sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Ashley Raditz for joining us here at TCF. You can check out her work by visiting studiolamuse.com. And if you want to find out more about the organization Spectrum Inspired, please visit spectruminspired.org. 
And remember that you can and do play a big role in introducing others to the work that we do here at The Candid Frame. Take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store. Thanks to Jose Franco Rodriguez in Sweden and Meat Pants in the U.S. for their five-star reviews. You can also support the show by making a regular monthly contribution through Patreon. You can contribute amounts of $2, $5, $10 or more, or anything in between on a monthly basis, and help make a big difference to the work we're doing here at TCF. We've made some changes to the gifts that we provide our supporters. At the $5 a month level and higher, you will receive free copies of exclusive TCF ebooks written by me. The first of which was released last week. Find out all that we have to offer and support the show by visiting patreon.com forward slash the candid frame, or you'll find a link in the show notes and the candid frame website. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free candid frame app available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Our senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.